It's Locked On Giants Live. Trina, Tana, Dog, next on the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked On Giants podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL for a first deposit up to $100. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Giants Live. I'm Patricia Cheney, your host. And tonight it's just bad dog with me. Uh, just me today. Tana had a had a last minute thing he had to attend to, so he sends his regrets that he can't join us. But that's okay, dog. We've got a lot to talk about. I, I mean, we this has to be like a therapy session because yeah. I cannot believe how how fast the season has disintegrated. And you know, normally I look forward to these games every week, but. No Daniel Jones, possibly no Saquon Barkley, no Andrew Thomas. The list goes on and on. I have no idea what the offensive line is going to look like. Oh, my God. Dog, give me a reason to be hopeful. <laughs> reason to be hopeful? The draft is uh, like in, what, uh, eight months? <laughs> not even not even eight months, Giants fans. What, six months, right? It's the end of April, so – Six months. We only got three more months of this stuff. Um, no, like Patty and I were talking about before we went live, this really does feel like 2021. 2021's one of the worst years I went through as a Giants fan. Even though we really weren't good in 2020, you thought they were kind of progressing. You know, they had Barkley was out the entire year with a torn ACL. Um, you know, Daniel Jones missed some time. And even though they were six and ten, they were still right there in the division. And it looked like they were getting better. And you're thinking, oh, you're going to get your quarterback back, going to get your running back back. It's a second year in a system. 2020 was the COVID year. They're going to get better. And then all these injuries piled up in 2021, and they weren't a very good team. And the same thing is happening this year. The offensive line has regressed. Our quarterbacks regressed. Our best player, Saquon Barkley's hurt again. Our best, you know, maybe our second best player, Andrew Thomas, has been out uh, since week two as well. So we haven't had those guys pretty much all year. The team's just non it's not competitive. It just looks it gets worse and worse every week. I don't I don't know where we go from here, Giants fans. That's that's what stinks is just watching this team week in and week out. It's like a slow death. We know it's coming. Still painful. Well, let me ask you this, dog. I mean, the Giants, this is not the team that they were anticipating having on the field because of all the injuries. Right. So, you know, because the season is going down the toilet so quickly, the inclination or the, the, the feeling amongst people is sell, sell, sell. Mm-hmm. If you're Joe Shane, do you say to yourself, okay, you know what? We had all these injuries, so I'm going to hold my water and not do anything or do minimal stuff. Or do you say, you know what? I'm just going to rip it all down because I didn't stack this team with enough depth. Uh, you know, maybe Daniel Jones needs needs a, a fresh start, which we'll talk about a little later. A point you brought up. I mean, if you're Joe Shane, what do you do? 
Yeah, well, you know, I, I I've been very active on Twitter. I, I have a lot of fun on Twitter. I'm having a lot of fun. I, I I get to be very sarcastic on Twitter, which is kind of my sense of humor. I, I'm people that know me know I'm I'm extremely sarcastic. Somebody even said to me, goes, I love the sarcasm that comes across in your tweets. I just have fun because I was really mad. The Seattle game, I was really mad. I felt like this game we should have won. It would have been two and three. And they were so bad. I just got so aggravated at the time, kind of blew my top. And then at that point, I'm like, I'm just going to laugh at the season because it's just really, really bad. But I put on there, there's a lot of guys here that are on expiring contracts. Leo probably won't be back here. Adore Jackson's on an expiring contract. I don't know what the future holds for Xavier McKinney. He could be gone. Paris Campbell's most likely going to be gone. Um, Darius Slayton, I, I would like them to keep Slayton, but I don't think they're paying him $7.75 million. You save six million if you get rid of him. Um, you know, guys like A. Sean Robinson on a one-year deal, he's gonna be gone. Um, so there, you know, there's a lot of players that probably won't be here. And Barkley's another one. Barkley could be gone too. That's another 10 million dollars. Um, to me, man, it's not, you know, I hate getting rid of Barkley because I love Barkley, but we're not winning with these players. And as much as we love them because they're giants. They move on. We're gonna we're gonna have to move on too. We're gonna forget about him. You're gonna worry about the guys that wear our uniform. Um, if he can get more than I'd say a third round pick, I think he has to. I don't know how the compensatory, how they decide what round you get. It depends on how much they sign for, right? Like if they let him walk, they would get a compensatory pick for Barkley, right? Mm, I think so, so, but not not until the following year, though. Oh, that's true. That's true. So I I think if you can get draft capital, you do it. If we're headed towards where it looks like we're headed towards right now, which would be a top five pick, Chris and I have talked about this. There's elite quarterbacks in this class. There's a lot of good ones. Caleb Williams, obviously, Drake May, Michael Penix. If you're Joe Shane, you're giving yourself job security by taking a rookie quarterback, knowing Daniel Jones will be here next year because he's 47 million dead cap. We're not getting rid of him. You sit the rookie. You have all 2024 offseason to build the line. Then you have 2025 to build the line as well when you put your rookie in there for the first time. So there's a lot of things to consider uh, going forward. If you're Joe Shane, I think it's time to rip this down. I don't think you resign a lot of the players I mentioned. And you're going to have to start getting your own guys. The Gettleman air is kind of being ushered out. Now it's time for Joe Shane and Brandon Brown and these guys to shine. You know, let me ask you this, dog, because you raised this point about Daniel Jones, and I thought it was a pretty good point that he's at a point now with this team that he probably would benefit from a fresh start. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now you mentioned also the cap hit. Now, they were to, let's say, trade him um, before June 1st next year. They would save $13.79 million, take a $33.3 million dead hit. So that would be kind of a steep hit. So can you see a potential scenario where let's say the Giants get a top 10 draft pick and at the rate they're going, that, that's where it looks like it's headed. Do you see a potential scenario where maybe they go and they draft one of these premium quarterbacks, let Daniel finish out next year um, while the kid cuts his teeth, you know, so to speak? Or do you think the priority has got to be to fix the offensive line, which it seems like they've been doing forever? So it's it's a great question because you know people say to me when I put that on Twitter, you got to fix the line, no quarterback and survive. And and listen, we don't know. Like Caleb Williams could come in here, we get Caleb Williams, he could stink. Michael Penix could stink. Drake May could stink behind this line. 
but that's speculation. We don't know. They could process faster. The video that I did about talking about Dan Daniel Jones was ruined by the Giants. Not so much saying the, the Giants didn't try. Daniel Jones, since I've been watching, I am no expert. I am not an all-22 guy. I don't pretend to watch film. I don't pretend to be a, a, you know, a guy that analyzes film. I'm not an, an analyst or whatever. I'm, not a, I'm a fan. That's it. What I saw with Daniel Jones is physically very gifted. He's tall. He's mobile. He's got a good arm. He's accurate. He processes very slow. When you have an offensive line that can't hold blocks and that quarterback's got very little time to process, that is a disaster. So, yeah, mm -hmm. people can say everything needs to be perfect around Daniel Jones. I don't think it needs to be perfect, but it needs to be better because his deficiencies, he can't overcome his own deficiencies by the deficiencies around him, the lack of talent around him. He can't overcome it. Maybe Caleb Williams can. I watched Caleb Williams since he was a freshman in Oklahoma. I love him. I've been a gigantic fan of Caleb Williams ever since. But the fact that the Giants didn't get the right pieces around Daniel Jones or why I think they failed him. I think he could go to a better situation and be a very good quarterback. So I, I think that Caleb Williams, I think you have to take the quarterback. When you're rebuilding, you have to start there. We have missed on multiple you know, draft picks when it comes to the line. We've missed on almost all of them outside of Andrew Thomas. It's amazing how bad our track record is, Patty. It's horrible. Man. And we know we've had a hard time finding alignment. So you know what? Maybe in this essence, you got to do something different because we know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over. And they keep addressing the line over and over and over and over. It's the same thing. So maybe you have to go out there and get a guy like Caleb Williams that can help the offensive line because he processes quicker, because his release is quicker, because he feels the rush, because he does things that Daniel Jones can't do. We don't know what Caleb Williams or Drake May or Michael Penix or any other quarterback is going to do behind the line. It's speculation. But we do know what Daniel Jones does behind this line, and it does not work. Not because Daniel Jones doesn't work. It's because together that line of Daniel Jones just aren't getting it done. Very well said. I mean, for somebody who's not an Nexus and O's guy and a film guy, you hit it right on the head. You know, I've, I've done studying over over the scouting Academy and I actually had to do Daniel Jones as, as one of my projects. And the thing that I kept noticing is slow processing time. Now it looked like in, in the summer that he had sped up his decision-making process still looked like he was still going with the first read. And I thought, okay, you know, as, as they go on, it'll, it'll straighten out. But, you know, somebody asked me, how could the media and the fans have gotten it so wrong? Mostly the media, because we were sitting there during the spring and we were saying, my God, this offense looks great. This yeah. team is going to be awesome. We got we got into summer, you know, training camp. We saw different things and we were like, whoa, this is going to be fresh, you know? Mm -hmm. And then here we go. We get we get to Dallas week one and pff, the air yeah. out of the, the, the tire. So somebody said to me, and I'm I'm trying to write an article about this, but I want to put it to you. How could the how could we have gotten it wrong? Now, from the media's perspective, fool's gold, I suppose. But you know, when you think about it, there was also some excitement over with the fans, what we saw in preseason and what like that. Where did we go wrong with this team? There's a couple of things. Yeah, you know, I talk about 2021. This team also reminds me of 2017. In 2016, now granted, there was a little bit older team, and they spent a lot of money on defense. They had a very weak schedule in 2016, very weak. And they beat most of their opponents by less than one score. 
when they played a better team, they got smacked around. That that's what happened. That's kind of what happened last year. We, I mean, the Ravens are a good team, and the Packers are a good team. And in 2016, the Giants did beat Dallas twice, and they were a really good team. But for the most part, we were coming from behind. We went in by one score. And this year, obviously, the schedule was much tougher. So I think that's part of it. And also, 2017, the Giants had a lot of injuries. Odell Beckham got hurt in the preseason. And there was just injury after injury after injury after injury. And it just completely collapsed. And then they started Geno Smith, and that was the end of everybody in that era, mm-hmm. who would have known Geno Smith would become the quarterback he is? But that just goes to show you in a good situation, people are like, Daniel Jones had five years and we don't know what he is. Well, it took Geno Smith 10 years. It's, you, you never know. Um, so oh, I forgot where I was going with that. Um, where was I going with that, Patty? <laughs> About how we could have gotten it wrong? Yeah. So, oh, um, yeah, oh, this is what I wanted to ask. So my guess, and I was thinking about this today, I think – that last year, Brian Dable had Daniel Jones getting the ball out of his hands quick. It was quick. Just go back, throw it. Go back, throw it. Well, I think what happened this offseason is teams got film on what the Giants did, and defenses adjusted to this, and the Giants never adjusted back. So now Daniel Jones doesn't have those quick reads. They don't have the things that they did last year, and the offensive line has regressed. So they don't really know what to do because they have not made the adjustment. And defenses did, and now there's really nowhere to go, especially without Barkley. There was no threat. You, so you know, I think that's made it worse. Yeah, you know, it, it's some. It, it's interesting you say that because when other teams go and have success in their first year under a new head coach or coordinator, I always say, how much of that is because the rest of the league doesn't have film on them? Mm-hmm. And he, lo and behold, I think you you make a good point here. Nobody had film on how, you know, even though Dable had been an offensive coordinator, you know, Kafka comes in, he's a new offensive coordinator. People knew about Wink Martindale, but not with this particular personnel group. So nobody really knew how they were going to use, you know, deploy these guys, what, what approach they were going to take. So yeah, it did take some catching up by the rest of the league to, to, to figure out what the giants were going to do. But um it just seemed like last year Gable was able and, and this coaching staff was able to get a lot more out of a lot less talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, without question. That's what, that's why he won coach of the year. That's why I was so high on him. Cause I'm like, look at, he's throwing to Richie James. He's throwing to David Sills, throwing to Marcus Johnson. He's throwing to Lawrence Cager. Like who are these guys? You see Patrick Mahomes trying to throw to the guys that were on the Giants. The Chiefs offense don't look the same when he's throwing to Kadarius Tony and Richie James. <laughs> it don't look the same. It ain't the Giants offense, but, you know, there was something he said about that, and you go out and you get Paris Campbell. That looked like a really good signing. You go out and you get Darren Waller. That was supposed to be our safety blanket. That's supposed to be the guy. You get Jalen Hyatt. He's supposed to stretch the field, and none of this has happened. Paris Campbell averages like four yards a catch. And, you know, Wandale's look good. There's a guy I can say, Wandale's look good. Tay Banks has looked good. If you want, you're looking for some silver lining, those guys have had pretty solid seasons. But other than that, everybody's been an enormous letdown. And I do. I think that defense is able to adjust. I think defensive teams know, well, listen, this is what the Giants are going to do, and they can't adjust. And last year we talked about all the adjustments that they made and how they had a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, and how well organized and prepared they were. And this year it just seems like there's not. We're seeing miscommunication on defense, miscommunication on the offensive line. Substitutes aren't getting in there at the right spot. The play clock's running down. 
They're taking timeouts. Last year, Daniel Jones up at the line of scrimmage with 18 seconds ago. He could check down the defense. He could look at this. He could read the defense. Then he get up there six seconds ago, and he's got to snap the ball, and he has no read, and then the line's all confused, and then he's getting killed. So yeah. I don't know what happened there. That's the biggest question for me, Patty, is why so much miscommunication in the second year of a system? That's what I don't get either. I mean, are they trying to do too much, maybe? I mean, and then, you know, look, I, I look at the, the biggest problem for me, on, especially on the offensive side, is the depth, all right? Now, I realized that when they were making these free agency moves, we were all going, yeah, this is great. Yeah, Darren Waller. Yeah, Paris yeah. Campbell. But in retrospect, you know, how many slot receivers did they sign? Yeah. You know, what, they couldn't have taken money that they used on Paris Campbell, if they, especially if they were going to use Paris Campbell the way they've been using him, which is basically as a gadget player. Mm-hmm. They couldn't have taken that money and maybe poured it into, I don't know, another offensive tackle or something like that. I mean, I, I, I and again, I understand why they brought in Paris Campbell, but, you know, here, here's – they did it as a, as a, as a, um, uh, what's the word I want? Insurance. Okay. In case Wandale wasn't ready in case, um, Shep wasn't ready. And that's the other thing. Shep isn't even getting a, a, a cut of the offense. So it's oh. like, why do you even have him on the roster if you're not going to use him? Yeah. It's, you know, it's weird, but again, this goes back to our point earlier about talking about Joe Shane tearing it down. So many of these guys are on one year deals. Like, I don't think Shepard's coming back. I don't think Campbell's coming back. I don't think Slayton's coming back. Um, Wandale, in my opinion, was drafted to replace Shepard. Hyatt was drafted to replace Slayton. That's the way I look at it. Paris Campbell was kind of a we're just gonna it's, it's almost like a placeholder, um, you know, just to see if he can do anything because he had a good year with Indianapolis last year after dealing with a lot of injury. And they said, Oh, we'll take a chance on him because if he produces, we can bring him back here on another contract. And if he doesn't, we can let him walk. I don't know what the answer is for receiver going forward, though. I, I really don't. They got to keep some of these guys, but you're right, Patty. All these guys are slot receivers. Campbell's a slot receiver, pretty much. Juan Dale, Cole Beasley, uh, Sterling Shepard. My, I envisioned, you know, Paris Campbell in the slot and Slayton and Hyatt outside for some speed. And then, you know, Campbell, uh, you know, being a slot guy with Wandale when he got healthy, and then Darren Waller being able to work underneath because you're stretching the field. None of this has happened. They're, everything is in a 10-yard box. Defenses have no reason to to worry about the Giants going deep. They don't try. They don't even throw the ball down the field. So they're like, well, he ain't going to throw the ball down the field. We know he's going to just look, and wherever he's looking, that's where we're going to go. And then on top of that, Daniel Jones hesitates, and as soon as he hesitates, too late. Corners close the gap. You got to anticipate throws. This is something that other quarterbacks do well, even when the line isn't good. You watch CJ Stroud, you watch Brock Purdy's got a great situation, but Brock Purdy throws with anticipation. He throws receivers open. Daniel Jones doesn't do that. He's never thrown a receiver open. The windows in the NFL are extremely tight and they close very fast. As soon as you look and you, you pump fake, it's too late. You can't throw the ball anymore. You really have. That much tough. That's why the quarterback's the toughest position to play. You got to look at everything. You got to feel everything. And as soon as you see it, you just got to believe in it and go. You can't plant the ball. You're done. Yeah. I mean, just, I, I, I don't I mean, it just blows my mind that it just how, and again, you know, is it the depth issue? I mean, I, I you know, a lot of people say the O-line. That it starts with the O line, and I, I think we can agree with it. And yeah. you know, Doug, I'm going to ask you: 
and I'll I'll give my prediction, but I want to do something kind of a little different. I want to get your prediction on the offensive line, and I'm gonna kind of like tune it out because I don't want to like sit here and go, oh yeah, I agree with it. But what kind of offensive line do you think we're looking at for this this weekend? I mean, especially considering no Thomas, probably no. Well, well we know no John Michael Schmitz. We don't. We're you know uh, Matt Parrott is out. I don't think Evan Neal is going to play. I have a feeling he's not going to play. What are they doing on offense line? Give me your prediction. Is McEthan, is he healthy or is he? Yes, he's he didn't get an uh, injury designation. Okay. So, so your uh, healthy I, guys are Bredesen, McEthan, and I, I put healthy in quotes. Right. McEthan, Bredesen, and I think Lemieux. Is Lemieux? Was he listed as I'm trying to? No, he's questionable. Um, who else is healthy? Uh, Lewinsky. Yeah. Okay, so, so I, think you, I think you just named him. I think you got McKeith and Azudu, Bredesen, Glowinski. I think Justin Pugh might get some time. I, I mean, I, I, he said his knee's fine. He's not feeling anything. It's the best he's felt. I don't know who the, I don't know who else we have. I don't know what else is there. I, I mean, um, Myrick's not on this team anymore. He can't you, Bellinger is he healthy? I, I mean, Bellinger's healthy. Yeah. Okay, so you. I mean, no, he's, and again, healthy, right? He's, he doesn't. He's not out. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, I think you're gonna have to play max protect. I really do. This this is going. You know what the Giants got to do in this game? Listen, you're not beating Buffalo, regardless. They mm-hmm. have to go in to this game against Buffalo like they did in 2020 against Seattle when Colt McCoy. Oh, I don't know what just happened there. When when <laughs> I am not patting Trainer, I <laughs> just happened here. I did not sabotage Patty. I think that the Giants don't like what we're saying here, and the Gremlins got her. I don't know what happened there. But Giants fans, it's not, it's not like I don't do this myself anyway. Um, but I think, honestly, I think that we have to do what we did in Seattle. I think that we have to run the ball. You know, three yards in a cloud of dust. That's what they did in Seattle. Just Cole McCoy handed the ball off to Wayne Gallman. Hold the ball as long as you can. Try to protect your quarterback. There she is. Sorry, camera technical difficulties. Did you? Was your audio good? Can you hear me? Yeah. No. I mean, could you hear me? Oh yeah, I can hear you fine. It's just my, no. Could you hear me when you went off? My camera shut off. At the, I was like, what? Okay. So you so heard I, I was talking about the Seattle game. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your thoughts. No, no, that's okay. I just wanted to make sure you heard what I was saying about. No, I, I, I could hear you. I just, my camera okay. just so I had to unplug I, it and plug it back in. So I think that's what we got to do. A lot of max protect. You got to run the ball of Breida and Gray. You got to hope that you get some drives and, and you got to hope you, your defense ain't stopping Josh Allen. They will get turnovers. That's going to be a hot take for me. I think the Giants get two turnovers in this game. Josh Allen definitely prone to turning it over. I feel like Kayvon Thibodeau has been better. I feel like our defensive pass rush is getting better. We did turn 2-0 in the Dolphins over three times, but I don't think it's going to be enough because we won the turnover battle 3-0 and lost by 15, and it could have been a lot worse. I see this thing happening here in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, you know, I've got to get this particular point off my chest because – it's starting to drive me crazy. Now, I like Dable. All right? I have no problem with Dable. But this secrecy and this, how he's handling the injuries, like to say Daniel Jones, for example, with a neck injury, is day-to-day. 
Andrew Thomas initially day to day with a hamstring. I mean, come on. Yeah. He's got to be more transparent. I mean, look, I I understand you want to hold the competitive edge. I understand that. But don't insult people's intelligence. You know, like, dog, I've been dealing with a neck issue, a pinched nerve in my neck since the end, since the beginning of May. And it's just now starting to feel better. All right. I don't know what Daniel Jones has, but don't tell me that he's going to be ready like that, you know, for three or four days after hurting his neck. Yeah. You know, Andrew Thomas with the hamstring when he hasn't practiced. I mean, yeah, five weeks now or four I, weeks. I, I just, I just find the way they've been handling these injuries. And, and again, I, I understand he's trying to protect the franchise and, he doesn't want to give too much out because, you know, HIPAA and all that other stuff. I get it. But, you know, it just, to me, it's like, you knew Andrew Thomas had a multi-week hamstring injury. Yeah. Why wasn't he put on IR and you could have used that spot to for another healthy body? You know, mm-hmm. Daniel Jones with the neck. Do you think he's coming back next week? I'm not so sure he comes back next week. Do you? No, I mean, you're talking about how you know, how much it hurts to have a pinched nerve in your neck and you're also not playing behind the Giants offensive line. Exactly. So it just takes one hit. Listen, I mentioned this before. I'm worried about Daniel Jones's health. He's 26. So he's am I. Rest of his life. He's not a married guy. doesn't have kids. You want your quality of life to be a quality of life when you're done playing football because these guys retire extremely young. I can't retire. You know, they'll be long retired by the time they're our age, Patty. I, they're retired by 35. I won't be able to retire until I'm, whatever, 62. So I, I don't know that life. But 35, you're still a young man. Mm-hmm. What kind of quality of life are you going to have if you have neck injuries? And neck is not a pulled muscle. Like, that is serious. And he says this is different than the other one. So if he's got two neck injuries in three seasons here, and he's constantly getting hit, that ain't going to get any better. And, and just, just to, to your point, dog, he, when he had the first neck injury, he was able to go out there and practice. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been able to practice all week. Yeah. So when he says, oh, it's not the same injury, and I see he's not able to practice all week, I'm thinking, hmm, is this injury worse than what he had? Right. And he had a procedure for that first one, if I'm not mistaken. Which is a big reason why I think they, they that was part of the I shouldn't say a big reason, but I think that's part of the reason they didn't pick up the fifth-year option because he was coming off that neck injury and they didn't know what exactly, was. exactly. But you know, I, I just the, the, just this team for whatever reason, and I guess maybe they're optimists, optimists too. They don't put guys on IR that really should go on IR. You know, Andrew Thomas. Everybody knew that that injury was a multi-week one. I think at some point he had said he had even you know inferred that if he had been a skill position player he wouldn't be ready to go for several weeks. Mm-hmm. So they probably figure, okay, well, you're an offensive lineman, but still you need your offensive lineman to be able to move a little bit. So, you know, I, I just, I, I don't understand, you know, the, the whole roster building process here, the decisions that are being made, you know, and, and now we're at a point where, okay, can you build, can you continue to rebuild and compete? I think the, I don't think you can. No. So now what do you do? Do you say, all right, well, we're one in, what are they, one in four now or one in yeah. five, whatever? It'll be one, one in four. five after Sunday. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So there'll be one in five after after Sunday. Do you say to yourself, okay, you know what? Um, 
let's just play the young guys and see what we got there. You know, bring back Trey Hawkins into the mix, who right. basically they sat they sat down because the kid, you know, was struggling. You know, maybe play, I, I don't know, some of these guys that aren't. Jalen Hyatt? Anybody? Yeah, Jalen Hyatt's another, you know, I mean, you know, how is he supposed to learn if you don't put him out there? Yeah. So I just don't understand the handling of the roster. I mean, sure. maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. There's only so much you can get from practice. All right. I, I, I mentioned people people thought it was hilarious because I mentioned this. You know, they say iron sharpens iron. And I, I, and I said, well, what, I, I said, but what the hell? I said, if you look at our two sides of the ball, what is it? Cotton softens cotton? Like the offensive line stinks, our defense stinks. Like, how are they making each other better? They're both really bad units. And, and the fact that you mentioned Daniel Jones can't even practice, it's not like he gets hit. It's not like they're hitting it's a environment. Right. So if he can't practice, I don't know what the deal is. Um, but I, I honestly believe that. This the way this is going, they're going to draft the court. You can't not pass on a quarterback because no, no. if you if Chris and I talked about this last night. If you're Joe Shane and you're picking second or first, and, and Caleb Williams there, or Michael Penix there, or Drake Mays there, and you pass on him for a lineman, you've tied yourself to Daniel Jones now. Now, now he's your guy. Right. And if he fails, you're done. If you take a rookie quarterback. Knowing 2024 Daniel Jones is there, that rookie quarterback don't start till 2025, and that's when your clock starts. You've given yourself some job security. Um, and not to mention the cap is going to get a lot better for him. Mm -hmm. He's going to start to bring in his own guys here. So I, I definitely, if we are going in the direction it looks like we're headed, I can definitely see that happening. I think this is a big reason why they structured Daniel Jones's contract the way they did. Sure I know they backward a little more of it because we needed to make more cap space, but yeah, at, they'll, they'll eat $22 million in 2025. That's what's going to happen, but they can get out after two. Yep. And that's the plan. If they're bad, they're, they gave themselves an insurance policy. If he's bad, we're out. And, and let me, let me ask you this, you know, because this only because this came up this week, Brian Dable couldn't stop slobbering over talking about Josh Allen. Yeah. Okay. One was, I, I, I'm not saying that he's never talked well of, of, of Daniel Jones, but certainly not to that degree. Did you kind of, you know, I, I don't know when I heard that, and maybe I'm reading into it. I was like, Hmm, you know, I, my mind started going and I'm thinking to myself, is Daniel Jones really the quarterback? that Dable wants because you know he made comments about how Josh Allen makes you better as a play caller and he you know was talking all these great things and it could just be you know to you know an old friend complimenting an old friend but I thought it was kind of thick if you will he laid it on thick yeah I mean you you don't want to you don't want to make Josh Allen mad going into the game but I understand what you're saying and I put that on Twitter too. And people were like, oh, this Dable and Shane's guy. And I'm like, listen, this, this has nothing to do with him talking well of Josh Allen. But I was like, yeah, Daniel Jones and Josh Allen. Nobody's going to confuse those two quarterbacks. But he says the same thing about Jalen Hurts. He has never really spoken like very complimentary of Daniel Jones. But it's not that where I'm like, is this really Dable's guy? Which turned me into the conspiracy theory that I think John Mara had something to do with Daniel Jones going back here. Everyone's like, no, oh, he he's still. I'm like, I'm not so sure. And I just look at the two games at home 
Dallas down 40 to nothing. Well, you know, I forgot who he was talking about. It was Pat Leonard or Jordan or somebody asked him, why is Jones in the game? I was just looking to get something going there. But why? You had all your backups in there. He's getting killed. What do you mean you're looking to get something going? With, with 90 seconds left in the game. Right, with all what the backups. What do you expect to happen? All the backups were in there, though. So what are you talking about? He's not even going to be playing with those guys. What kind of momentum are you trying to get for him throwing to, to you know, Eric Gray? In the back? That's not happening. That's not our team. So how's that going to help? And then again, Seattle, we're getting killed. He's getting killed to the point that the offensive linemen look like they just quit. And he's getting smashed. And he keeps him in there. I'm like, dude, you just gave the guy $160 million <laughs> and you're leaving him out there. You, you're just leaving him out there. To use Evan Neal's term, you know, just you're leaving a sheep out there to be, you know, eaten by lions. That's what was happening there. And he doesn't take him out of the game. It does not make sense to me. He gets hit enough. So I'm sitting there going, I don't care that he threw the tablet at him. I don't care what the hell any of that had to do with anything. Him leaving him out there in two games at the end of the game where he has been just beaten to death and we are getting outscored 64 to three in these two games. He has no business being out there in the fourth quarter. 10 minutes go in the fourth quarter, sit him. He doesn't Actions sit him. To me, that's like, does he really care what happens to him? Actions speak louder than words because again, you know, the point about Dallas, what exactly was he expecting to happen with 90 seconds left down 40 to nothing? Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't understand it. And, you know, I'm not, look, I'm not saying that Dable purposely wants to get the kid hurt or maimed or anything like that. I don't believe that, but you know, it's, it's like, I, I just wonder about it because, you know, maybe I'm just, I don't know if it were me, I would have pulled them done a mercy pulling, but you know, then again, is that really fair to Tyrod Taylor to go and take a beating? No, well, he's going to, Take a beating this week. There's no question about that. He took a beating. He was in there for one series to get the wind knocked out of him. If there wasn't a long time out, he would have had to come out of the game. Yep. Tyra Taylor's 35. He, he's he. I was joking around with Chris when he got hit. I said, Chris, he he ran back to the bed. Said, Daniel, you good to go? I don't want to go back out there. I don't oh, want to go back out there. You know, I put it, I put on Twitter tonight, and already I'm getting slammed for this. I said. Not that I wish anything bad on Tyrod Taylor, because I like Tyrod. I think he'd be, you know. A, a, I saw that tweet. And and people are slamming me for for saying this. I said, wouldn't it be a kick in the butt if, God forbid, Tyrod has to come out, Tommy DeVito comes in, and now all of a sudden he's lighting it up. Yeah. And, you know, some people are already slamming me for it. But I'm, I'm like, it's not that I'm wishing bad on him. And, you know, but it's like, that's just the way this season has gone. Yeah, it's fun. Twitter's a funny place. Like I see, oh. I follow a lot of people on, you know, in the media on Twitter, and there's been this thing going around saying how you were part of it, it was you. Was it Art Stapleton? It wasn't Art. Was it Art Stapleton? I think it was Art Stapleton. And I forgot the other guy where they're like John wow. Mara's having them do their bidding, and I'm like, you realize they don't work for John Mara, right? I don't have any paychecks. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, why? Why would you, why would John Mara make them say this? They don't work for John Mara. So what are you, what are you talking no, about? No, last I last I checked, my my bank statements say locked on and 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 uh, uh, Arena Group, which that, would be SI. I mean, I, right? That, you know, I saw I saw that, and people people say, oh, you know, no, no, I would not do that. That's All what right? I mean. I don't I, like, I don't care. If they come to me and say we're going to pull your credential, which they wouldn't do, by the way, because it, it, it they, they would end up, 
you know, having to answer to the league if they were to do something like right, that. Right, right. I have my opinions. You know, I have my, I try to be fair and I'm not going to do somebody else's bidding. I never yeah. have, never will. It's I mean, the day I do that, I'm getting the heck out of this business. Yeah. That's just Twitter in a nutshell though. But it's funny about you. When you mentioned that or tweeted that out the one time about how, you know, Deion Jones had a rough time here. I'm like, it's funny because I had that video already scheduled. Like I had recorded it, but because my post game or my reaction to Dable, I, I put out earlier in the day, I spread them out. And I'm like, I actually have a video coming out about that exact thing about how they kind of ruined his career. Um, so no, I mean, that's just, I, I've seen, it's like the Hatfields and the McCoys on Twitter. There's the, there's the Jones reporters and there's the, the Jones detractors. And there's very few people in between like me where I'm like, cool. Yep. I agree with that. Yep. I agree with that. I'll, I'll pick on Daniel Jones in a tweet and I'll compliment Daniel Jones in a tweet. That's just the way I do things because I understand both sides of the argument. It's the chicken or the egg. Right. Is it and, and that's, what any, that's what any good content creator or media member would do. You be objective. You look at both sides and you form an opinion and you stick with it. You don't waffle back and forth. There's enough people in the media that go back and forth to, to cater to, you know, what the popular opinion of the day is. You yep. pick an opinion and you stick with it. Yeah. And, and me, if you're wrong, you, you own up to it. All right. Now, look, I've been steadfast in my opinion that that the Giants haven't helped Daniel Jones, but I'm also not naive enough to say that that Daniel Jones isn't part to blame exactly. for his problems. All yeah. right. I also have been thinking about, okay, you know what? Maybe this isn't working out with him. Maybe they do need to move on from him. Yeah. You know, even I don't think it'll be right away, but you know, could they maybe look to trade him during the draft, especially if they in, in a position to get a, a top quarterback, or maybe they say, you know what, we'll get the top quarterback and we'll keep him for another year so that the cap hit isn't bad. I don't know. But you got to look at the different scenarios and it changes, you know, depending on the circumstances. But at the start of the, the year, I was very firm. I, I'm like, Daniel Jones, just let him play it out and see how it goes. You know, yeah. now it's like, how's he supposed to operate behind that offensive line? Yeah, the offensive line is bad. And the other thing is, look at Barkley. Barkley already made us think about playing under the tag this year. Now, granted, he's been hurt. So if they tagged him next year, he probably wouldn't argue this. However, maybe he does. He's like, I'm not playing on the tagging. I'm not doing this again. He's 27 years old. He's had a multitude of injuries. Granted, no soft tissue injuries outside of the torn ACL, but a lot of this is he gets bent. It's bad luck. Let's be honest. He's just been snake bitten. But do you really want to sign a 27 year old running back that's had injury history to a three year deal when you because people are like, well, if you're bringing in a rookie, you're going to want him to hand off. And we, I love Saquon. We haven't won anything with Saquon Barkley. Nothing. We okay. Yeah. We, we went to the playoffs last year, but Daniel Jones was healthy all year last year. I forgot the record. They're like not good with Saquon Barkley's in there, and Daniel Jones. It's terrible. Um, they're like so, I forgot what Barkley's like. The record is Barkley's like twenty and forty. It's it's not good. It's, it's not, not good. good. Barkley's not good, but the team ain't good. You have to just move on from these guys. You can't hang on. To, oh, we really like this guy because that's when you get yourself into trouble. These guys have not won anything as a collective group, and it's time to just kind of move on. One thing I said about Daniel Jones is if you're solely so to solely blame Daniel Jones and these problems is absolutely ridiculous. But to absolve him 
of all issues on the offense is also ridiculous. Yeah, you can't. You can't do it. It's the combination. It is a lousy combination of a quarterback with slow processing skills and a first read problem with hesitation and the inability to throw his receivers open and a horrendous offensive line that almost any quarterback would struggle behind. It's just a fact. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, and, you know, this, it's like, what do you do? You know, it's, it's, it's a case of chicken or the egg, you know, do you fix the quarterback? Do you fix the offensive line? I mean, they've been trying for how many years now to get that I, offensive line right? Not fixing the line since at this point, the quarterback. I was going to say, at this yeah. point, if you can't fix the line, get a quarterback who can process faster. Mm-hmm. Get a quarterback who, you know, his his weaknesses aren't magnified Correct. by the weaknesses of the offensive line. Right. And, Absolutely. and, you know, I had hope for Daniel Jones. I think we all had. Yeah, you all thought last year, okay, he finally turned the corner. He's going to be okay, and he regressed right back to where he was with Joe Judge. (coughs) Yeah, it's the same same guy we saw in twenty twenty one. Where I was like, I'm done with him. He can't do it. Last year, he made me a believer. His numbers weren't great, but I don't look at just numbers. That's all the story. I'm like, I see a competent quarterback. I see a guy that takes care of the ball now. I see a guy that feels the rush. I see a guy that can lead his team to victory. I really don't know what the hell happened this offseason outside of the fact that, like I said, maybe these defenses figured it out and said, okay, you're going to have to do this to beat us. And they take away all those quick short throws because they know that line can't hold any blocks. And they're like, now do something. Throw your guy open. They know he can't. And they haven't adjusted. And now he's hurt. And with a neck injury, he missed, what, the last six weeks of 2021? Six weeks. Wouldn't surprise me if he goes on IR. You can't that will shock livelihood, you know. You know, the Giants are gonna have to put some guys on IR or cut guys. I think they're gonna do the IR route. And uh if I had to take a guess, I think Andrew Thomas is gonna be one. I would not be shocked if Daniel is another one. I mean, it's Daniel or Aziz Ojulari, who's another guy. You know, we haven't even talked about the defense, but Ojulari, my goodness, how many games has this guy missed because of injuries? You know, when, when he's on the field, he makes a difference. He can make a difference, but he can't stay on the field. And I've never seen anything like this. And and by the way, while we're talking about injuries, I had asked at the beginning of the year, and I got a generic answer. I said, what did your studies uncover with regards to the injuries? Now, I know, and I've said this before, football is a violent game. Stuff's going to happen. You're going to break bones. People are going to roll up on your ankle, whatever. You're going to land weird on your shoulder, whatever the case may be. But the soft tissue injuries, I mean, they supposedly have these sports science people who are supposed to be monitoring the player's workload, um, the GPS data and all this stuff. And these injuries are still popping up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what are we doing here? I, I honestly don't know. Um, I, I tweeted that out too. I'm like, you know, I understand injuries are a part of football, but my God, this team just it is unbelievable. There, at one point, there was like 17 guys. Was like a third of the players were on the 32%. injury report. Yeah, it, it's insane. Um, you know, I, I saw you know somebody mentioned that uh, the Giants are soft, and Carl Banks said, "Well, I'm just curious what your level of expertise is, or how much football you played to know." There is a difference between being hurt. And being injured, there, there, there's a big difference between those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because every football player is hurt. You, you get this far into the season already, it's early, but you're like, hey, no football is going to go. No football player is going to go. Yeah, I feel great. I feel 100%. Everything feels great. Oh, because like I said, it's a violent game. But what is going on with the Giants where it is just constant? Every Every year they're like in the top five. And, you know, I've I've had conversations with with former coaches that, you know, about this. I said, what are they doing wrong? And it it could be any number of things, you know, without knowing, you know, the the intricacies of, of their health and nutrition and sports science and stuff like that. But. You know, these soft tissue injuries, the calves, the ankles, the groins, hamstring, the hamstrings. I mean, goodness. Yeah. I have no answers. I don't either. It's it's uh <laughs> it's it's very strange that they can never stay healthy. And it's always the same guys, which is weird. Yep. Like Rosalari is always yep. always injured. Um, and then one other point I'll make about the injuries, and 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 I, I it's funny, I was talking to my husband about this. I said you know, it started. Remember when Darren Waller showed up on the injury report week one, and yep. they said something to the effect of, "Oh, we always had that plan for him to give him a Veterans Day rest." And did you notice the next several weeks he wasn't on the injury report? He didn't get the rest, and now he was back on the injury report this week with a groin. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? I mean, either Dable misspoke or I misunderstood what he was saying because I'm like. Yeah, you had this plan coming in. You knew several months beforehand that he was going to need the rest. I mean, I I, I don't understand. You know, may, maybe I shouldn't say it because I don't understand how sports science works. But I do understand how common sense works. That's like saying, you know, three months from now, I'm going to have, you know, the flu. How do I know <laughs> what I'm going to have? You know, it's like, <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't understand it. And I would love, you know, and I, I know they'll never let me behind the curtain, so to speak, to examine that. But I would love to, you know, sit down with their sports science people and say, okay, how do you kind of operate? They won't let me do it because, you know, it's proprietary stuff, just like the sports data people, you know, I'd be curious about that. But uh, just weird how they handle the injuries. Yeah, I would like a little bit more transparency. It's funny because I, I kind of mentioned, uh, you know, Brian Dable's got his own thing. You know, Joe judges. I got to go look at the tape. I mean, I got to go look at the tape. I don't really know. I got, I got to go look at the tape. Brian Dable's a, it's not good enough. You know, Duh, that's, you think? that's the same thing. That's what I said. I'm like, well, geez, coach. I mean, you I, know, I think everybody watching can tell you it's not good. <laughs> you not, know, there, there, are times, there are times when, you know, I ask him a question and he's never been nasty to me. You know, sometimes you, you, you see he's short to other reporters yeah. and stuff like that. And I'll ask him a question and he'll totally not answer it. And I'm so tempted to say, okay, coach, that's all well and good, but that's not what I asked you. Right. I asked you this, Yeah. you know, and, and I, because there's like 50 other reporters, there jumping ahead, you know, as soon as he said, he's done answering, boom, you get 50 other people. I would just love to just say, look, he didn't answer the question. So yeah. you either don't want to answer the question. You don't have an answer to the question. Or you're just trying to brush it off and, you know, I, I don't know. I just drives me crazy. It's been weird all year. I, and I, we might have touched on this before, but I remember, I mean, I was hyped up about the season because I'm like, listen, we were 9-7-1 last year, won a playoff game, second in a system. 
We added Hyatt. We added John Michael Schmitz. We added Waller. We added Campbell's offense. It's going to be so much better. We added Bobby Okereke. We beefed up the defensive line. We're a good team. And I was pumped up. And they asked him about the team in preseason, the good practices, all this stuff. And Brian Dable would say, well, you know, this is a different group of guys. And, we, you know, we have to see how everybody handles adversity. There's adversity in every season, and every player handles it differently. I'm wondering at that point, did he know something? Because I, I this team has been the chemistry. Last year, they loved playing for one another. They didn't try to do too much. It wasn't an all-or-nothing thing. And again, me being not a conspiracy theorist, but starting to try to peel away these layers of the onion, and as you get closer to the core, it stinks more. But I'm like, I don't know, because I don't know. I'm not in a locker room. I don't no, know. No, you're right. You're absolutely right, though. But the contract thing, the media really dug into that. Oh, Barkley should have got paid. They gave Daniel Jones all this money. The fans, you know, well, why are you giving Daniel Jones? He sucks. How can we don't give Barkley all the money? And I'm wondering if somehow, some way, this kind of divided <coughs> because Daniel Jones did get paid. They're human, so maybe I'm not saying Barkley. But maybe there's players. Yeah, in that but Dexter Lawrence there. got paid. Andrew Thomas got paid. Right. So you know, didn't get paid. So I, right. So I mean, I I don't know. No. I don't know if that necessarily is it. But you know, you're absolutely right when you say there's something different about the locker room. You know, last year the locker room it was us versus the world. There were dogs in there, guys who you know if they got punched in the mouth they would be pissed. Like you would not believe. This year, I don't sense dogs in that locker room. I sense more like puppies who, you know, they're still kind of recovering from being punched in the mouth in week one. Mm -hmm. I can't put my finger on it, you know. And and here's the other thing, you know, in the locker room. I'm not a big fan of this. And I know some people are going to criticize me for saying this. But they've got games in there. They've got chess. They've got ping pong. It becomes... I'm not a big fan of that. I, I I think, you know, I think back to when Tom Coughlin, who, by the way, is having his, his annual J-Fund dinner tonight at MetLife Stadium. When he was head coach, you were not allowed to play games in the locker room because the locker room was your office, mm-hmm. right? That was your workplace, an extension of your workplace. So there were no games. There was you, you couldn't bring food into the locker room. You had to keep it neat. It was your workplace. And then, you know, McAdoo allowed games to come in and then Shermer allowed it. Joe judge got rid of it for one year and then he brought it back. Dable has had it for a couple of years now. And, you know, I, I get it. You know, the, that the games, you know, the ping pong is allows built camaraderie and all that stuff. I get that, but there's got, I don't know. I just, I just, I remember the days and I, I people say, Oh, you got to get out of 2007, 2008. But back then you saw guys huddled up, going over playbooks and play sheets. You don't really see that in the locker room these days. Yeah. I, I mentioned this before too. I guess Barkley would be considered a leader, but there's, there's 10 captains on this team. And I really don't see a leader. Like who's the vocal leader. Who's the guy. It's like, guys, we got to get this together. Guys, we got to do this together. Like it is almost like last year they were less talented on paper. I think they were, but combined they were a team and when you work together as a team you're going to do things better and this year they're not so much a team as they are just a group of individuals and they're not playing together 
Yep. And I think when you start to worry about the person next to you and what they're doing, that takes away from your concentration and messes your job up. And then everybody's falling apart. Yep. And, and that could be what happened. They panicked immediately after that block kick. They stopped running the ball. They ran the ball all the way down the field against Dallas, the first drive. And that's like they stopped. Barkley had 12 carries in that game. I know we got behind early, but he should have had 12 carries in the first quarter in that game. Okay, because Dallas could not stop the run. Yep. And it was working great. And then it's like that happened, and they just tied Daniel Jones throw 50 times. And you can't protect Daniel Jones. So why they did that, I have no idea. I don't know what that was. And then they did it again against Seattle. Like slapping the ball. Actually, you know, I got to take a quick commercial break, but we'll talk about that with the play calling because I have a couple of thoughts on that. So I'm going to just take a quick break, everybody. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, Giant fans, if you are looking for a fun and different way to play fantasy football this season, you need to check out Prize Picks. Just pick two or more players, predict their stats, and sit back and see how they perform. It takes less than 60 seconds to make an entry, and best of all, you could turn a few bucks into some nice cash with the right projections. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app known for its quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and wide selection of players and stat types. And they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday, when each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So what are you waiting for? Go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use the promo code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash NFL, And that promo code is NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked On Giants Live. You got Trina and Dog tonight. Tana wasn't able to make it, unfortunately, but he said he will be back next week. And uh, still, we're having a, a good conversation like we always do. And we appreciate those of you who showed up tonight. We know that, you yeah. know, there's not a whole lot to, to be excited about these days about Giant football, but. Um, Hey, listen, the show must go on, as they say. And, and dog, you know, before we took a break, you mentioned the play calling. Mm-hmm. Dable, you know, you, you look at the evidence, even though, you know, Kafka and Dable have denied it and Daniel Jones has denied it. I got to believe Dable's a little bit more involved in the play calling these days. I mean, would you agree? Yeah. I mean, there was that whole controversy that in Arizona, he was the one calling the plays in the second half. And they opened everything up, but then it went right back to what they've been, which is just I, – I don't even know what you want to call this offense. It's, it's the Jason Garrett offense. I, oh. I, one, of the, one of the best – I, I have a couple good tweets. Like I said, I'm a sarcastic guy. I like to be funny. I try to make people laugh. And one of the better tweets I had, I remember saying, you know, people play prevent defense. I said, Jason Garrett plays prevent offense. And that, <laughs> that's what we – we're running that <laughs> offense again. It prevents us from scoring. Like I've said this a number of times, at least the last two weeks, Patty. One of the first plays of the game, I just want, I just, well, it's not Daniel Jones now, but I just wanted him to drop back. And I don't care. Just throw the ball out of bounds, but throw it 50 yards down the field. Don't right. even try to complete it. If it's, if it's there, awesome. Just show them that you'll go deep. Just show them anything. Go Give ooh. them something to think about. That's not what they do. It, it makes conservative. it conservative and predictable. 
<clears throat> and it's very easy to defend that. They're a very easy team to defend because they know what they're going to do and they don't go outside of what they And it's not working. And that's what drives me crazy. You have nothing to lose. You've been outscored 64 to th- 64 to three at home. You've turned the ball over twice as many times as you've scored points at home. You can't tell me that throwing the ball deep down a field is going to hurt you any more than what you're doing now. Exactly. And that's a point we have made. When I say we, David Turner, the who who used to be an NFL scout, used to work for the Giants, does my Monday shows or my postgame shows with me. And we have made that point. It's like, come out, give the defense something to think about. And, you know, David has been in, been very vocal about how the Giants should fire Mike Kafka and let Brian Dable take over the play calling. And here's the thing, you know, having thought about it, all right? So um, when you have an experienced defensive coordinator like Wink Martindale, you know he can, print, he can handle the defense by himself. You don't have to get involved with him. Let right. him do what he's got to do, all right? Special teams, T-Mac, you, regardless of how you feel about T-Mac, he's an experienced special teams coach, so let him handle that. So now you've got Dable, who right now is the CEO type head coach. The offense needs something, some kind of kick in the pants or something, because it's just not showing signs of a pulse. And it's like, you know, David's suggestion was, well, get rid of Kafka, who's really, you know, dragging it down. And then, you know, we asked Dable and Kafka about it. You know, is Dave's, are you more involved with the play calling? Oh, the process is the same. The process is not the same because how many seconds do you have in between plays to call, you know, to, to decide what you're going to do? Mm-hmm. Come on. This is what I mean about don't insult our intelligence. It's pretty clear. If the guy is standing there and he's holding a play card up against his face like such. Yes. It's pretty clear what you're doing, Dave. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah. I was like, I don't ever remember him holding them. The sheet above his mouth. Like, what, what would he do that for? What, he didn't do it in the first game. Right, that's what I mean. Doing it last year. I mean, well, he had the sheet. Don't get me wrong. He had the reference sheet, but I don't ever recall him. And and you know, I at the games, I put my binoculars on the sidelines because sometimes you miss stuff that that's that you need to pick up from the sidelines that's relevant later on. I don't rec- recall him doing that. I don't either. That's the first. And they, they you know, they picked up on it. In that game, and again, the deep, the offense is way different. They came out in the second half. The first play was a deep shot to Jalen Hyatt, and it spearheaded the whole thing. Like, where is that? And I know people are like, you know, Daniel Jones is missing throws, and he and he is because that goes back to his inability to process fast enough. That, like I said, when you don't have a good offensive line, that that ain't working at all. He needs more time to process. It's just some people do things faster than others. Yep, he doesn't do it fast enough on this team. He and needs with, three yeah. tenths of a second. You go to a team that has, I just look at like the Vikings. If he went to the Vikings, their offensive line isn't great, but he's throwing to Justin Jefferson. You know, that might help him. He's throwing to Jordan Addison. You know, he's throwing to TJ Hawkinson. Like in Minnesota, if he had two tenths of a second more and he's throwing to those guys, like I bet you'd be a Pro Bowl quarterback. I think that highly of Dan Jones' skill set. It just, it, it doesn't translate here. Because his shortcomings, they can't overcome what's around him. He's not good enough. Here, like the quarterback's got to lift up the. He's not good enough to do it on this team. This team is really, really bad. 
and you need an elite type of quarterback to overcome this, which is why yeah. if you're drafting top three, that's it's, what it, you're it, going to do. Yeah, I could I could see it starting to make sense. And, you know, back when they signed Daniel Jones to that contract, I mean, right off the bat, you could tell that they still had some, some hesitation about him mm. just based on how that contract was structured. Yeah. You, you just, you saw it. You said, oh, okay, this is really a two-year deal. And they will bail out of it after two years. And, you know, with, with, with the th- thought process being is, okay, if he comes in year one and falls out, then we got nothing to worry about. But yeah. if he stinks it up in year one, then maybe we're in a position to get a, a new quarterback if we feel we need it. And we, we bring the kid in, we let him sit for a little bit while he gets ready. And we let Daniel kind of play out the string, so to speak. And then, you know, kind of like what they did when Eli was drafted. If you remember, Eli didn't start right away. Kurt Warner started. Right. And then they they flipped over to Eli about midway through the season, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. maybe you have another situation like that next year. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. Now, Chris makes a good point. In New York, if you picked Caleb Williams and the team starts one and five, you're immediately going to want to see him. One thing I'll give Dable and Shane credit for is they really have they don't like cater to the fans. They don't they they have their own plan and they they do what they say they're going to do uh most of the time. So if they say, you know, this quarterback's gonna sit for most of the year, I can't see the fans or the media pressuring them into, hey, when are you gonna start with Caleb Williams? When are you gonna start Caleb Williams? The thing of it is, if you let him sit for a year, I might have mentioned this earlier, I'm getting old, so I forget sometimes that I say you'd have two years in essence to build around him because 2024 you can listen patty when they're done with the year they know where they're drafting and if they're drafting number one especially if they're drafting number one they know who they want so immediately you start to go out and get the players that you think can work with that guy right and then daniel jones is here next year and then in 2025 you have another offseason another draft to build around that rookie quarterback that's going to start in 2025 so in essence you've got two years to get the team ready for the rookie to step in and be the guy. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hate talking you know, about the middle of October, but this is where we are. You have, to, but you also have to build up draft capital. And right now, they only have six picks. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to have a high pick in in next year's draft, this is where you make the decision. Okay, should we look to sell some guys? Now, I did a show on Friday. Actually, today the show is running. I, I gave you four guys that I think they will trade. I think I said Leonard Williams. I believe I said Adoree Jackson. I said, um, what else did I say? Uh, Leonard, Adoree, Xavier McKinney, I think was another one. And I can't remember who the other guy was off the top of my head, but there were four guys I gave. And I even gave you the salary cap savings. I gave you the potential targets. I think for Leonard Williams, I said, you know, maybe keep an eye on the Raiders. So you can get draft picks to supplement and and that seems to be what Shane likes to do. Now he's traded away draft picks to get mm-hmm. Boogie Basham who by the way I don't think I've seen him really, you know, fit in. Not much. Isaiah Simmons, I still don't know what they're doing with him. Let him play. You know, so especially with his ears hurt. It's Simmons time. Well, they'll probably bring up O'Shane Simmons to replace, time. you know, th- that that would be my guess. I mean, how they're gonna how they're gonna manage uh, this personnel? Huge, huge mistake. I mean, I mean, you you only get two standard elevations. You got to bring up two offensive linemen minimum. You got to bring up Devito, 
Okay. You, you potentially got to bring up O'Shane Zimenez. That's four players. You're going to have to make roster moves. This goes back to what we were saying earlier. You're going to have to put guys on IR. You figure Andrew Thomas will probably be one. Will it be Aziz Ojulari? Will it be Daniel Jones? One of those two, I would imagine, is going to go on IR. You've got to make roster moves here and and, and just, you know, just terrible. It's, just, it's a sticky situation. Yeah, they, they got to bite the bullet. This This year fell apart really, really fast. Compared to last year when it was like, oh, my God, we're four and one. We just beat the Packers in London. No, we just came. And then the next week they went, they came back and they beat Baltimore. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're five and one. We're not used to this. This feels right, Giants fans, talking about the draft in October. This, this, feels, this feels right for the better part of the last decade because for whatever reason, we've, since 2017, we have had three GMs in here. We've had, I mean, I'm not going to count GMs, but we've got two quarterbacks. We've had a number of linemen, a number of receivers, a number of coordinators. The results are exactly the same. So your guess is as good as mine as to why that's happening. I really you got to be patient. You have to. And, and that's the other thing by, by constantly turning over the leadership, you don't let anything take root. You have to, mm-hmm. you know, I hate to use this expression because I know Dable uses it a lot. You have to trust the process mm-hmm. and just let it, work out you're gonna have bumps in the road now right now the giants have got a huge bump that they have to get over yeah but do you trust this regime now i've seen people say that joe shane's draft classes have stunk i don't know how you feel about that dog i mean is he getting top value out of his draft classes I, he hasn't had time to these players develop like when people are like shane sucks i'm like what he he had one draft where he came in here. They had like three months to prepare for this. They came in like January. The draft was in April. He had his first real draft where his own scouts, they scouted for the Giants, and they knew what they wanted to do. They've played five games. How can we say Joe Shane is a failure? They came they won their first playoff game for the first time since they won the last Super Bowl last year. And because he got off to a bad start, all of a sudden now his now he's everybody was praising him as you know. Uh, a fantastic GM last year. Now all of a sudden we, we've got off the bad start. Oh, oh his, his drafts stink. His drafts stink. Um, there's no way. You, you can't judge him yet. You got to give him some time. It, I thought Gettleman was, after year three, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of down on Gettleman. But at the same time, like whatever the Giants decided to do, I think Chris and I are more patient with Gettleman than a lot of people. After the third year, I'm like, if they fired him, I get it. But if they keep him, I'm fine with it too. After the fourth year, when they let Zeitler go and they didn't address the offensive line whatsoever, then I was like, yeah, he's in the golly thing, blew up in his face. I'm like, he's got to go. It's just, yeah. it's just time. Well, I'm with you. You can't keep changing stuff over because if there's no consistency, that's also her Daniel Jones. I mean, he's had three yeah. coaches and God knows how many coordinators in five years. It is hard because you have to learn something new constantly. And he has a hard time processing anyway. As so. it is. So it's a dangerous combination. And to your point about Gettleman, you know, he did put a, a core in place. Where Gettleman lost me was in that last year, his his decision to do a dream team with all those veterans that he was signing and all the how he was stressing the salary cap. I remember saying to somebody in the front office, I'm like, what is he doing? He's setting this team up for cap hell. 
what is he doing? And they're like, oh, he's got a plan. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I said, no, is the, the plan's going to blow up in his face and he's not going to be able to fix it because he's not going to have any resources. So what is he doing? And sure enough, you know, I wish I had been wrong, but I wasn't. The plan blew up and they're still digging out from under that plan. I mean, it was a little better this year, but they're still digging out. You know, next year it should be, they should be out of it. But of course, let's also see if they move some of these contracts, like you said, because, mm-hmm. you know, then you've got a matter of dead money accelerating and all this other stuff. So we'll see what they decide to do. But if I'm Joe Shane and they lose Sunday night, and I think it's pretty much a given that they will, I mean, it's going to take a miracle. You sell, you, you, you know, guys that aren't going to be out here, see what you can get for them. Even if you got to take a seventh round pick, that's better mm-hmm. than nothing. Cause now you can use those low day three picks Bundle them up and move up the board if you need to. Mm-hmm. That are also, I mean, GMs are, you know, GMs make their money in the third through six rounds of the draft. You you shouldn't be missing top 10 picks. Like you, you shouldn't be. I mean, that's part of it. I guess with Shane is you're drafting fifth and seventh. Those guys need to make an immediate impact. Evan Neal's impact has been negative. And Thibodeau, I think he's good, but he's just really inconsistent. Like he will show out a couple of games and he disappears for months. And yeah. that's not what a top five pick is supposed to do. A top yeah. five pick is supposed to wreak havoc like every week. He's supposed to be part of it. I think he's getting better. I, I think that he, but it's the consistency factor is just not there with him. So if people want to throw that on Shane, I get it because those guys are supposed to produce immediately. But I think Wandale, I think that ends up, he looks like a good player. I think Cordell Flott looks like a good player. Those are guys you got. I think Daniel Bellinger is a good player in the fourth round. Um, obviously, Azudo and McKeithen have not looked good, but Azudo's out of position. He's a guard. He's not at left tackle. That's not his position. So I still think you can't just keep changing things over and over. Well, you know, I had an interesting conversation with a former Giant, and I, I, I said to him, what do you think of the locker room? I won't tell you who the Giant is, but he, he, he – a recent player and, and somebody whose opinion I really ex, um, respect. I said, what do you think about the locker room in, partic- in particular, you know, the top, you know, the day one and day two draft picks. And he got to say, and he says, you know, here's the problem with today's NFL players in general. He said, they're all worried about being a brand as opposed to being a football player. He says, when I played you, you weren't doing, you know, radio shows and, and internet, you know, and podcasts and, and TV commercials. He said, you know, Eli did it because Eli was established, obviously. Right. He says, you did not see guys, you know, paid partnership on Instagram and all this other crap that they're doing. Oh, he says, no. you've got too many guys worried about their 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 name, their image and likeness and, and just football. Yeah, it's it's important to them. But. There, it's it's almost like it's on on an even playing field, if you will, with the marketing aspect of it. He's and he says that's just so not right. He says if you're an elite player like a Patrick Mahomes, then go for it. Patrick Mahomes has proven himself. But if mm-hmm. you're an Evan Neal, you know not that Evan Neal is 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 you know doing this or a Kayvon Thibodeau who really hasn't proven all that much. Why are you out there, you know, doing commercials and paid? sponsorships and i sat there and i was like wow man he really ripped into that culture 
That's a great point. Like, I never thought about that. Yeah, I never thought about how marketing, you know, players' marketing is a distraction because it is. It's taking them. They they could easily be thinking about other things. Oh, after the game, I got to do this. I got this photo shoot. I got to tape this commercial. I got to do this thing on Instagram for this particular company or whatever they're doing. They could definitely take away from their concentration in the film room, uh, in practice, in a game. I mean, who? I don't know what's going through their head. But that's a great point. Is this something I certainly would have never thought about? Because you're right. Um, back in the day, it was established guys got commercials. They didn't get them right. as rookies. Right. Uh, you know, so that that's a great point. I want to ask you this, though, because we didn't talk about this. You mentioned Evan Neal. What did you think of his comments? I thought they were ill-advised. I understand he was frustrated. All right now, I didn't. I didn't hear the conversation, obviously, but yeah, you know, I read the article and everything like that. I thought it was a poor choice of words. I think you should never pick a fight with the fans because you will not win that. No winning. You will not. I mean, the fans have been here forever. They will continue to be here forever. You, on the other hand, will not be here, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. So you also, you know, need to acknowledge them. You know, look, you're frustrated. I get it. They're even more frustrated because they're paying their hard-earned money to see, you know, to, to forget about life for three, three and a half hours or however mm-hmm. long they spend it at, at, the, at the ballpark. And they have to witness that poor level of play. You know, if, if, if Evan had said, look, you know, I get it. Boo us. Boo us louder, you know, because we, we've just – that would have been the more tactful approach. Right. Mm-hmm. But to, to come out and then to – insult people by by you know saying oh what do they do for a living their hamburger flip come on man i was i was shocked to hear that it was almost like he was and and i if i'm not mistaken i don't want to misquote him but didn't he also say something to the effect of you know oh if you've never played the game how would you know yeah Um, come on dude he said, I'm a lion. Why would I listen to the opinion of sheep? Come on. He, and then he also went on to say the Giants fans were bandwagon fans. And I'm like, he doesn't know that but the bandwagon is bandwagon fans. See, when I did the video, I ripped into him for that because I'm like, you guys have been terrible. Do you know what a bandwagon of fair weather fans? If, if we were fair weather fans, your attendance every week would be what it was at the end of the Dallas game. You'd have 12,000 people in the stands, not 70,000. I get mad. I say stupid things. I get it. And like I said, he's a professional athlete. Okay. I'm a professional idiot. I'm a guy with a microphone and a camera. Nobody is paying their hard-earned money. Nobody is paying literally $500, $1,000, $1,500 to watch me yell about the Giants. Nobody's doing that. But people do. They travel. They sit in traffic. They pay ungodly amounts to pay for the hamburgers that people flip at MetLife Stadium. People do that so much. So you're insulting people that work in the stadium because people serve food there. Costs a lot of money. Beer costs a lot of money. Weather is not good up here most of the time. You spend all that money and, and they play like crap. Yeah, fans have the right to boo you. Absolutely. Because like you said, Patty, they're paying to watch you. We give our we work a regular job. We don't know anything about making millions and millions of dollars and being set for the rest of our life at 23. We don't know that life. So, like you said. The monotony of everyday life, you know, going to work every day to try to save some money to go watch your favorite team because you love them and you have loved them. And it gets your mind away of things. You'll never win 
picking a fight with the fans. And when you do stuff, when you say stuff like that, now you put a bullseye on your back. Mm -hmm. And if you fail, they are going to really let you have, you should never do that. Like you said, if he would have said, if I was a player, they should boo us. We stink right now. Yeah. They should boo me. Yep. I stink. I need to be better. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's what you're saying. But, but, you know, I, and, and again, I get it. He was frustrated, but those were comments that just should have never been made. And, you know, look, I've, I've spoken to Evan many times. He's very respectful. You know, we, we've had some really nice conversations, even though, the other day, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he made me feel old. He's like, he pointed out that I'm older than his mother by four years. I was like, thanks, Evan. Real nice of you, you know. But, <laughs> but um, no, he's he's always been respectful, and you know, I I haven't had a chance to you know to meet with him since those comments came out. But my gosh, yeah, that, I was like. It's what a moment of frustration. I, I get it. <laughs> they've been embarrassed at home. They've been embarrassed. And I get him being aggravated. But again, you have to understand your position and what you mean and how much weight your words hold when there are literally millions of people that watch you and listen to you and want you to do good. We don't go there rooting for our team to fail. We don't pay all that money to go, I can't wait to go there. And really let these guys out. Well, maybe at the end of the year, if they're one in 12, you want to go there and let them. I get it. But nobody goes to the Dallas game after waiting eight months to, to for football when we won a playoff game and we're all excited and we're like, we can beat Dallas. Nobody waited all that time, got hyped up to go, I can't wait to go there and just boo Evan Neal. I can't wait. I'm going to pay all this money just yeah, so yeah. I can boo Evan Neal. Yep. That's not what happens. It's not the way it goes. We want to cheer. But New York is tough. New York is, a, you have to be a hustler up here. It, it, like I said, the weather stinks. You have to the have thick skin. Exactly. We want guys that embody us. You know, New Yorkers yeah. are very hardworking people. Sure. We want that from our football teams. And knowledgeable people. You know, right. you can't BS them. Passionate people. Right. Passionate. Absolutely. You know, have some respect for, for people. Don't, you know, don't, don't sit there and think, oh, because you never played football, you're not going to understand. Come we on, understand man. when you're getting beat and the quarterback's getting sacked. We, yeah. we yeah. Get Seriously. Seriously. That that reminds me of the time a player uh, – funny story. I won't tell you who it was. It was a few years ago. Um, a player – it was a defensive back, and he was having, he had had a bad game. And I had asked him about um, – I asked him about the game. I forget exactly what my question was. Something about in the nickel coverage. And he looked at me, and he kind of snarled. He goes, oh, you know what nickel coverage is? I said, sure I do. I said, I also know enough about it to know that you didn't play it very well tonight. So I'm like, don't talk down to me because I didn't play the game. Yeah. I hate when I hate when guys do that. You know, well, I hate when coaches do that. You know, even if it's the dumbest question in the world, to me, there's no such thing as a dumb question. It means that somebody legitimately doesn't know the answer. Right. So and, and speaking of which, I want to just get this question. I've been kind of sitting on this one for a bit. And I think uh, Bob also asked this as well, Bob Wells, about uh, yeah. Lyle Collins, why he has not been signed. Um, Ashley, I believe there's going to be some roster moves made by tomorrow. I'm not saying that Lyle Collins is going to be one of them, but you know, they're waiting until Saturday to apparently make all the moves. Um, my understanding is 
when Dable says, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it Friday night. Yeah, they do have meetings on Friday night. So we'll see if that's, you know, if Lael Collins ends up in the in the plan. But even if he does, you know, you, you ask yourself, is he going to be ready to go? Because you got to know the play. It's not just strictly a matter of blocking the guy in front of you. You have to know the, you know, enough about the play. So even if they were to sign him, I don't know if he would necessarily be ready to go. I think Pew would have a better chance of being ready to go than, than Collins, if Collins were to sign. So I did want to get that question in there. Yeah. All right. Let me get caught up now on, on, on the questions. So I froze the chat so I could, I can get to that. Let's see. Um, I know some people have asked about, uh, here's one Wait, when I see it about Thibodeau. Yeah. Okay. So people are, have been talking about Thibodeau and Micah Parsons and why don't the Giants use Thibodeau like Micah Parsons? Um, you run at Micah Parsons, you're not going to get very far, if I'm not mistaken, right? I mean, Mike is pretty good against the run. Yeah, can, we say the, can we say the same thing about Thibodeau with setting the edge? I mean, there have been times when he's gotten caught up in the wash. And I don't know, just to me, just a different style player. Yeah, I think sometimes Thibodeau takes himself out of a play. Mm-hmm. I think he gets out of control and it'll take himself out of play because he's so dead sitting getting into the quarterback, which is good. But sometimes that can burn you. JPP used to, that used to happen to him all the time. That read option, I remember against Jacksonville in 2014, Jacksonville was worse than we were. And we were up 21 nothing at halftime and ended up losing that game because Blake Bortles continued to run that. Or it wasn't even a called an RPO. There was just a bootleg or whatever. And and JPP would always crash down the running back, and Bortles went that way. If you don't come under control, you're going to go right by the quarterback, and yep. you're going to get pushed into the backwash uh, of the the line, and you're going to be not, you're going to take yourself out of the play. Um, I think Mike Parsons. Listen, I like Thibodeau. I think he could be really good. He's got to be more consistent. Mike Parsons is. Thibodeau's on another him. level right he's now. He's not Michael Parsons. Even you and, can go and Michael Parsons has another he, – he has multiple multiple moves. I mean, Thibodeau, yeah. you thwart his first move. What's his second move? Yeah. I don't know. I, I know you can go back and watch my – I did a video about the Giants, like, drafting Michael Parsons, and you can hear me do nothing but compliment. I say that guy's a game – there's all kinds of things I talk about. I say – I even say in the video, I'm not comparing him to Lawrence Taylor. But he's Lawrence Taylor's size, and I do believe he can make the Giants' defense elite because that's a kind of game-changer Micah Parsons is. We don't have that. We're hoping Thibodeau becomes that. But you need that guy in defense on third and seven to make that play to get the defense off the field. you got to have that guy that can at least disrupt the quarterback and make him throw the ball away if you're not getting a sack. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Thibodeau has that. It just needs to be more consistent. Yeah. All right. Toa, Toa, Toa Abel Island, I think it is. What if the Giants ran a traditional 4-3 defense? I don't know that they have the personnel up front to do it. Do you? I don't know. And Wink's not a 4-3 guy anyway. So Yeah, that's too. Chris mentioned so too. There's so many like hybrids now, outside linebacker, edge rusher type of guys. I don't know if they're. What that was, I don't know. There really is like a traditional four, three, and three, four anymore. It's it's definitely evolved. Like defenses have definitely evolved. Um, 
I don't know if it would make a difference. Because like you said, Patty, I don't know if they have the personnel to run a 4-3. That's why they went out and got Okereke. That's why they drafted Aziz Ojalari. That's why they drafted Kayvon Thibodeau. That's why they got my, you know, Micah McFad. It's what that's for, to have linebackers like that. So I, they would have to change the personnel. And I, I think they'd have to change the defensive yeah. coordinator if they're going to yeah. go back to a 4-3. Yeah, definitely. Here's a good one from Little Caesar. Do you think the reason Shep, Paris, Hyatt, Bellinger, and Brita are misused, underused is due to Shane, Dable, and Kafka not seeing eye to eye on players? You know, here's my theory on this. And this is going to sound crazy, but they don't have a core set of guys. So, you know, they play 11 personnel, and, you know, it, it's not like it's Shep, um, Slayton, and Hodgins. All right, or Paris Campbell, Slayton, and Hodgins. They keep mixing and matching. And how is a quarterback supposed to kind of get into a groove? I mean, quarterbacks do develop grooves with receivers. You know, we mm-hmm. saw it with, with Jones and, and Slayton. We saw it with Jones and Shepard. Last year, Jones and, and, and Hodgins. So, I mean, they it, it, seems, it seems like they've got an abundance now. And, you know, this 11 personnel that they run, I, I put a, I did some stats on this. Um, I forget which show it was, but I did some stats on this. They have had better success running 12 personnel, which for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, 12 personnel, the first number represents the number of running backs, the second, the number of tight ends. So it's one running back, two tight ends. They've had more success with 12 personnel, a significantly higher rate, despite the fact they haven't run it as much as 11 personnel, which is three receivers. What does that tell you? Tells me that we do better when we have extra people in there to block and give the quarterback more time to throw the ball. Well, and and here's the other thing, because somebody had also asked me, and I think it's for my mailbag tomorrow. They said, well, what about getting a fullback and putting a fullback on the field? A fullback, you know, that position's kind of gravitated towards the H-back move tight end. That's what Bellinger can do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's interesting because I remember years ago asking Kevin Gilbride about this. I said, do you see a future where teams use more 12 personnel as opposed to, you know, the 21 that they were using at the time? You know, two, the, the running back, the, the fullback, and, and the one tight end. And he's like, oh, you know, he kind of he kind of brushed it off a little bit. But that's what you're seeing because at second tight end, you know, you put Bellinger on the field. And this is this I don't understand why I don't get him more involved. Now it's like, okay, go ahead and guess if we're going to send him out on a route or are we going to keep him in the block? So now you add another thing for the defense to think about. Whereas if you put a fullback out on the field, you know, I remember Hedgecock. I don't know if you guys remember Hedgecock, but every time Hedgecock came out on the field, you know it was going to be a running player. He was going to be a decoy. Very rarely did that guy get sent out on a pass pattern. Mm-hmm. So yeah. why would you want to limit yourself like that? 12 personnel right now, given the way this team is constructed, might be the way to go because, you know, also, again, you can help have the tight end help with max protect. Yeah. And the other thing is Bellinger was a good receiver for us. He yeah. was a big red zone threat at the beginning of the year before he had his eyeball ripped out of its socket. Um, so I liked Bellinger a lot. I, I thought that he was great last year in his role. And I thought that he'd be even better. I, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, we got Bellinger. I know what he did in the red zone. And I kept thinking about how good we were in the red zone last year, thinking we added, uh, you know, 
Darren Waller. And I'm thinking to myself, well, he's a huge red zone threat. This is the perfect time where you play action to Barkley or you roll Jones out. You act like Bellinger is going to sit there and block and you let you release him and he's wide open. Like I thought Bellinger could have six touchdowns this year because I could see them doing that type of stuff. But they have not – has Bellinger caught a pass? Like I, I swear to God, you never even see him involved. But he was – I wouldn't say he's a gigantic part of the passing game, but he was part of it, and he was effective when they called upon him to catch the ball. So – and he's a good blocker. I don't know why they don't use him more. Just like I don't know why they don't use Hyatt more. I don't know if Hyatt's having a hard time with the playbook or Hyatt just doesn't do it. There. I don't know. I'm not there in practice. I don't know what – the deal is i just know that the kid runs a sub 4 3 40 and you can't teach that speed and it would just be nice to have the threat of oh you gotta look out hi it's in the game you gotta look out for that you better you better give him a cushion because you don't want him to get behind you i'd like to see more bubble screens to him things like that a little bit more creativity it's like we saw it last year and it just seems to have dried up and you know people will say oh the offensive line Yes, it's a factor, but it's not the sole factor. There are actually times, and I granted you can probably count them on one hand, where the offensive line will hold the block long enough for a play to be made. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I just think you know, not having Andrew Thomas, that's huge. Yeah, not right. having Saquon Barkley on the field, that's huge. Yeah. Now you're without John Michael Schmitz. And, and, you know, hey, by the way, when was the last time this offensive line picked up a stunt successfully? 2012. Was it that long ago? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like freaking beat on stunts all the time. It's unbelievable. Come on, man. But, but the point being is, is, you know, I know on Giants Country we made a list of indispensable Giants. And Barkley was one. Thomas was definitely uh, – Thomas was my number one guy. When I voted, yeah. I, he was, like, top. Jones, obviously, you know, being the starting quarterback. I mean, um, just they're, the injuries are a problem, yes, but good teams find a way to kind of overcome it. And the depth, I go, I keep going back to the depth issue. This team, you know, it, it, case in point, Barkley and, and uh, Gary Brightwell are listed as questionable on the depth chart. I don't think both of them play. You know, one might play. I think they're going to try and get Brightwell out on the field. But if they don't play, then what? They don't have any running backs on the practice squad, as far as I know, right? Right. So it would just be Breida and Gray? It would be Breida and Gray. Then what do you do? You hope that none of neither of those guys gets hurt. You right. know? Meanwhile, you've got 50 million receivers, and you're not able to get the ball to all of them. I mean – uh, that one, I, I'll i never understand that one. Now you've got to figure out. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I was going to say, I'd like to see Eric Gray get more of a chance. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he will, but, you know, I, I, I'm just, uh, just, I, I don't know what to, what to think. It's, I just feel like they're, they're weak or, or thin at running back. I feel like they're definitely thin on the offensive line. I still don't understand some of the decisions they made. You know, Tyree Phillips. Now, I saw Ryan Dunleavy put something out about how Tyree Phillips reverted back to bad habits. Okay, well, isn't that the coaching responsibility to say, hey, Tyree, you you reverted back to this. We need you to do it this way. 
So you basically, you, you if that report is true, you gave up on the guy instead of coaching him up. Yep. What what am I what am I missing here? You know. Well, listen, so, Bobby Johnson came out today and said, "Yeah, the offensive line's improving." I I would suggest he said Bobby it was Johnson. improving. Yeah, he he's I actually like retweeted that. I just said the only thing they've improved on is getting the quarterback wrecked. He might have to have his eyes checked because again, I don't think you need to be an analyst or be able to study NFL film to know when your offensive line isn't good. This offensive line isn't good. It's no, not. It's not. It's terrible. It's terrible. Guys are missing blocks. Like they're not even getting a hand on the guy. Like there was a play they're showing where they said, "Oh, Ebony else supposed to do this." There was a miscommunication. Then it doesn't matter because this Lemieux got beat immediately. Like he didn't even. It's like he moved out of the way. Go ahead. There was Olay. nothing. That's what exactly. They'd be great matadors. Maybe that's what the Giants' offensive line should do instead of being turnstiles. They could be mad at them. Hey, <laughs> like, that's what it is. Maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. I, I've never seen it off. We've had some bad O-lines here. This one is right at the top of inept. It, it, it's wild. You know, I was sitting today. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, do my work and my writing and stuff like that. And it just, sometimes I feel like it just sucks the life out of me, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, I was ta- I, I was on the phone the other day with with one of my colleagues from uh, Fan Nation. He says, "Oh, you coming out to to the Vegas game?" I said, "No, I'm not coming out to the Vegas game." You know, because obviously when when the team you know struggles like that, then budgets obviously get cut a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I said, "You know what? I would like to come out and do the Super Bowl this year because the Super Bowl is in Vegas." And he said, "Oh, you would come out even though the Giants won't be in it." I said, "I haven't done a Super Bowl." since 2011 and that year I did that Super Bowl I was just coming off my cancer treatment so I wasn't fully right and I couldn't really enjoy the experience because I, I I do enjoy covering it's a lot of work but I enjoy the Super Bowl and covering it and stuff like that I like before I die and hopefully I, I, I'm not going to die for another 50 plus years who knows how much time I have left but I want to cover another Super Bowl and right now I mean this team is this Giants team is no closer to a Super Bowl than it was a couple of years ago. Right, it's horrible. I, I it's tough. I mean, it's tough because again, I think the Giants fan, at least for me, again, I can't speak for all Giants fans, but there's been so little to like look forward to. There's been so little to be positive about during the Dave Gettleman years, and you know Shermer and Joe Judge. And then you get a young-minded head coach. You get a young GM. You get a young assistant GM. And and all of a sudden, you're looking at a team that is excelling and and overachieving. And you're thinking to yourself, God, what can this regime do when they get their own guys in here, when they get some talent, when we get some cap space? And this offseason, it looked like things are – were we there yet? No, we knew. Giants fans – I don't know one Giants fan is like, we're winning the Super Bowl. I think most Giants fans figured for for us to improve, we would have to have about the same record, but we would need to win divisional games. We need to beat Dallas. We need to beat Philadelphia. We need to close the gap in the better teams. That would show us that we're getting better. And instead of that, they are just getting embarrassed. It is is pitiful the way they perform. It is like lifeless. They look lifeless. Now, when you lose a 40, nothing that'll do that to you. But they really do just the body language sucks. Mm-hmm. 
I notice this every week. I'm like, that body language is terrible. You don't see You're the right. line going over to pick up Daniel Jones after they just missed a block and let him get killed. When Eli would get knocked down, the offensive lineman right there to pick him up. But Jalen Hurts gets knocked down. He's off the offensive lineman right there to pick him up. See, Nick Gates may not have been the greatest guard of all time, but Nick Gates would fight for you. If if Daniel Jones is getting hit late, if Daniel Jones is getting hit, Nick Gates is in your face. Nick Gates is protecting the quarterback. Where is that guy on our line to say, all right, enough's enough. You know, you're not going to hit my quarterback like that. Or, oh, Jesus, Dan, I'm sorry, man. I, I missed the blow. Whatever, man. Let me help you up. Something. It's just like, oh, oh Daniel's on the ground again. Oh. And then look yeah. at the body language on the bench. You know, when they're getting beat, you, you see guys sitting there or they're yeah. laughing or, or whatever. It's like, where's the anger? You know, yeah. like, you remember, you're old enough probably to remember this dog, but Harry Carson, one time they, they were getting their butts handed to them. Harry Carson started throwing trash cans around. Mm-hmm. He got mad. Yeah. And he found that Roll has done, you know, when he was here, we're yep. getting guys' faces, you know, Strahan would do it. Yep. Uh, Antonio Pierce would do it. Where have those guys gone? You know, you, you know the song, uh, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? I know right. that song title. Yeah, yeah. Where have the classic giant fiery fiery leaders gone? I mean, we haven't had that on this team. I, I, I don't remember the last time the Giants had a real fiery type leader. And sometimes you need that, you know, I mean, it's all well and good that you've got guys that work hard and set the example and do everything right. Fantastic. But like you were saying earlier, who's stepping up and who's saying something, right? Who's throwing the trash cans in the locker room and saying, guys, get your head out of your, you know, what's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Parcells did that and that's on the America's game when they were losing or they were beating Green Bay. At halftime, but they, you know, they blew a big lead and Green Bay got within three and they said that parcel says that's as bad as ever been. And I went in there and I dumped the trash can over and I said, here, get in here because you belong to this, you know, stuff. And Lawrence Taylor just was laughing. He goes, he's such a baby. He goes, well, you can blame him. We're going to win. He goes, no, nah, I'm sure if he threw trash, he didn't throw it in my direction. <laughs> but yes, it was, it was just a different era. I think nowadays... Maybe players are too worried about hurting their teammates' feelings. I don't know. But sometimes tough love is what's needed. Mm-hmm. And I don't see a guy that's fiery. Eli was not a fiery guy as, like, getting in your face. He would just need to give you a look like you messed up. He was You're stealth. Eli led by example, though. Like Eli, Eli would stealth. get knocked down. Right. And Eli would get up, and Eli would win you a game. Eli would win yep. you a Super Bowl. Eli – did things. Eli made players around him better. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones has yet to do that. Daniel Jones yeah. has the same type of personality. And I, I don't think I was talking to you, Patty. Maybe I well, I forgot what I said this. Rocky Five. No, I was talking authentic. Rocky Five. Terrible movie, guys. Don't watch it if you haven't. But there is a part, I don't know, a lot of you probably, if you're my age, you've probably seen Rocky Five. Rocky's retired. He's teaching young Tommy Gunn how to fight. And everybody's saying, oh, Tommy Gunn is, is Rocky's guy, Rocky's shadow, Rocky's puppet. He's Rocky's teaching him to, to fight like him. And Rocky was a champion. Underdog, not the greatest skill set of champion. That's Eli. Eli's Rocky. Daniel Jones is Tommy Gunn. He's like Eli. He's got the same personality as Eli. He's not an elite quarterback. Adrian, Rocky's 
wife says to him, you can give him everything, but you can't give him your heart, Rocky. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have your heart. Daniel Jones, I don't say he doesn't have Eli's heart. He doesn't have Eli's brain. You can get a guy that's a clone of Eli Manning, but he's not Eli. Exactly. So you can look for the personality. You can look for the personality traits. You want the guy to be molded like Eli, but he's not yep. Eli. Yep. So the Giants have got to get away from, we got to find a guy like Eli. You got to find a guy that is a winner. You got to find a guy that has an elite skill set. You can't look for Eli. You're not going to find another Eli. Eli was one of a kind. Yep. You can't go around going, we got to get a guy like Eli. No. You don't want a guy like Eli. You would want Eli. There is no other Eli. So find a guy that's going to go out there and give you the best chance to win. I, I like Daniel Jones. I'm not knocking Daniel Jones. He cannot win on this team. It's not. He's not good enough to overcome the bad line, the lack of number one wide receiver. He's. It just doesn't work here. Yep. Amen. Amen. All right. Listen, I got to take my last commercial break and then we'll, we'll take some questions. If you got them, pop them into the chat box. We're going to uh, end the show around 930 because I know dogs got to do Lakers tonight. Yes. So uh, let's get this commercial in and then we'll take your questions. Don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans, you never know when the unexpected is going to pop up, causing you or a loved one to fall ill. But now you don't need to be caught underprepared when you have Jace Medical. This doctor-created, doctor-recommended services, Jace Case, provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace Case is to fill out a simple online form and, in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. You'll then get prescriptions and life-saving medication delivered straight to your door. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. And now you can get $20 off your Jace case by using promo code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. And that promo code for $20 off is locked on. Hey, Giant fans, football season is well underway, and Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On NFL Kickoff Live. Every Friday, Locked On will go live at 2 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Hosts Tanita, Tanitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Krabs will break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchup, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and much more. Plus, get in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country who know their teams better than anybody else. Find Locked On NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any of the Locked On NFL YouTube channels. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked On Giants Live. You got Trina and Dog. Tina not able to make it tonight. He said he will be back next week. Hopefully we'll have some better stuff to talk about next week, especially as we get closer to the, uh, to the <laughs> trade deadline. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think we'll have a lot of good things to talk about with this game, but you know, that's why you line up and, and, and you play the game. Right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's see if we've got uh, any questions popping in. Uh, yeah, here we go. Has Saquon played his last game for the giants? I don't think so. I don't think his injury is season ending, but why would you put him out there behind this line? Does that really make a whole lot of sense? It, do, it does make sense. 
And, and honestly, I mean, Saquon's playing for a contract. I don't think he would go out there unless he he doesn't want to be 60% and risk getting really hurt. Because if you're injured, or you, I shouldn't say injured, but if you're hurt, you have some kind of injury, whatever, you're going to favor it. And a lot of times you're going to end up hurting something else because you're concerned about as a guy that goes to the gym, I know, man, I've hurt something. I try favor whatever. And I'm like, I end up hurting something else on top of it. So you compound the problem. And uh, I don't know. I mean, he, he could be. It, the only thing is if Barkley's not healthy, what is his trade value? That That's where it gets tricky. I don't know that you trade him. I mean, as much as it, I could see it making sense, I don't know that you trade him. I don't think they would, but you never know. I mean, what 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 can you get for him? And where can you send him? You know, people say, oh, will you send him up to Buffalo or something? I don't know about Baltimore, that. Baltimore is one where they could probably use. They lost their running back at the yeah. beginning of the year. I, I, don't think, I don't think they trade Barkley. I I could be wrong, but I don't think, you know, in, in a couple of weeks when the trade deadline comes up, and I think the deadline is Halloween. The 31st, if I'm yep, it's Halloween. <clears throat> so I don't think they trade him. So, but we'll see. Speaking of which, I got my I got my Friday socks <laughs> on today because it is Friday the thirteenth. So you know, we could see these. See that? Mm. <laughs> I'm sitting here barefoot. Friday the thirteenth. It's been one of those years, Giants fans. It's been a horror of a season. All right, here's a good one from Sean Jackson. How effective can our captain's leaders be during this stretch when our captain leaders aren't available to play? Fair question. I mean, if you look at <coughs> Sterling tore his Achilles last year, still a leader. Yep. Leaders lead. It doesn't matter if you find a way. I mean, Barkley, Barkley's been, you can see, like, there's that whole viral thing of him standing up for Daniel Jones. Now, you, it's like two seconds. So who knows what happens? But he has something to say to somebody. And then he actually retweeted it and goes, Stop trying to make this. Interesting. I didn't know that was actually Saquon Barkley. I thought that was just somebody with Saquon Barkley's name. I just read it. I'm like, oh my god, this is the real Saquon. I didn't know that because he didn't have a check mark, which is strange for a professional athlete not to have a check mark next to their name. Um, but he's Shepard led, um, mm-hmm. and that's why I thought they brought him back for you. I could see Shepard being a coach because yeah. leaders lead. Even if they're if they're hurt, you'll see guys go over and talk and say, mm-hmm. hey. You know, you got to do this better. You got to do that. But that's what leaders do. If they're just because they can't play, doesn't mean they can't help other guys. But they certainly can't lead by example on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there, there's different ways you can lead. It's just right now, it's like I get the impression that these guys, all they're really doing with this, you know, those that have the C on the chest, with with a couple of exceptions. I I, I don't include Dexter in this group. But it's like, oh, let's just strut out the midfield for the coin toss. Right. Come on, man. Come on. Ten cap and a leader. All right. Uh, this one from Lloyd Goldstein. Do you think the shuffling of the O-line before the season hurt the cohesiveness? Lloyd, I was screaming about that all summer. I could not understand why this coaching staff said, okay, we're going to still rotate guys as we've tried to figure out who our best five are. And we were getting close. I think we were in the last week of the season and they still didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a couple of weeks before the, before the season starts, they say, Oh, you know what? We're going to try Joshua Zudu at left tackle or, or Marcus McCathan who had been playing left guard. We're going to try him 
at, at right guard with the ones when McCaffrey hadn't even played with the ones. What were they thinking? What were they doing? I still can't figure it out. If any of you guys know, please tell me. Yeah. I, I don't understand. What I don't understand is the lack of playing in the preseason. That too. I get it. I don't want the offense out there for three quarters or a half, but I think they needed more than one drive. Uh, because, again, you can simulate as much stuff in practice as you want. It's It's practice. When you're going against NFL competition, whether it's third string guys and the defense's base defense, it's still live competition. There's something to be said about live competition and guys that are like really trying to stop you and you getting hit. You can't practice that. Getting hit in the game is, is I, I don't, I can't even speak to it. I it never it's, the hit by those guys. it's the speed. Think about oh. it. When you're at, when you're on defense, and you're trying to rush the quarterback, okay? And the quarterback's got the red shirt, uh, the red jersey on. You gotta slow up. Yep, so now touch. you know your your tackling maybe gets compromised a little bit. You know, coaches say, "Oh, we don't want guys on the ground." You gotta make that up somewhere. And one series in the preseason ain't gonna cut it. Right. It was a great series. It was a great series. It was a great series. But you know right. what? You also had all these new parts. You know, I'm not saying open up the playbook and try everything out, but let them build some cohesiveness at game speed, which cannot be replicated in practice. I don't care what coaches say. You cannot replicate that in practice because it's a controlled environment. Exactly. Exactly. When you're a receiver in practice, you're going to cross middle. You know, the safety's not going to sit there and pin his ears back and crush you. But in a game, that's going to happen. They're going to try to break up the pass. They're either going to try to separate, you know, knock the ball away. Or they're going to try to separate you from the ball. They're going to try to rip the ball out of your hands. I mean, in practice, you're not drilling people to the ground. You're just kind of going up and you grab them. Okay, plays over. Or you get near the quarterback and you run by. Okay, you got me. It's it's just way different. When they went to, when they got away from two a days, I think things changed a lot. I think there's maybe it's just me. Maybe it just seems like more players are injured. Well, but I swear that's a reason why they just also don't they shorten get, training camp if you yeah. think about it. So they don't get as much time in pads. They don't get as much time in the field. And I feel like they get off to slower starts because it takes them a while to build up football endurance and, and getting, you know, acclimated to getting hit. Again, I've never gotten hit by an NFL player. I can't imagine it feels good. So there's something to it. You know, just like people like, oh, Barkley's been working out. You know, he's been, yeah, you can work out in the gym all day long and you can have great weightlifting skills and get a great physique, but that's not playing football. There's different muscles that work there. You're not football training. Your muscles are trained to do a certain thing. Like people say to me, hey, hey, bad dog, can you help me lift the couch? I hate that. You're like, oh, I thought you lifted weights. Yeah, I lift weights. I don't pick furniture up and carry it upstairs. My muscles aren't trained to do that. So if you're a football player, you can stay strong. But right. Football shape and in gym shape are two totally very different, different things. things. Absolutely. Good point. Absolutely. Uh, Lorosity, could Dable be tanking for a team top draft pick? Mm-mm. I hate this question. I got to be honest with you guys. Yeah. When I get the question, are the Giants tanking or should they tank? No competitor is going to tank. No. None. I used Jobs to say, not aligned. 
yeah, yeah. jobs are on the line. Number one, I, you know, I used to be a, a when I was in high school and grammar school, I used to be an athlete. People would say, "Oh, you know, why don't you tank? And if you tank, you get you get this instead of that." No, it, it just goes against every moral fiber. And an athlete, anybody who's competitive, mm-hmm. will not tank. And I, I just hate that question because it's just, you know, anybody who does that, shame mm-hmm. on them. Think about going into a different line of work. So, I mean, that's how I feel about that. So, Do I, I mean, I'll say this: this time of year, no. At one and four, no. I, but you get to the end of the year. I won't say you're tanking, but the Giants are two and thirteen, and they say, "Tommy DeVito, you're playing sixteen and 17. And and you know that he doesn't give you as good of a chance to win as Daniel Jones if Daniel Jones is healthy. And they just say, "You know what, Daniel? We're going to rest you for next year. There's nothing to play for." Kind of like the Eagles did when they took Jalen Hurts out of the game, where the Giants had a chance to win the division. Had the Eagles won, and they brought in Nate Sudfeld. What for? There was no reason. That was, you know what? We're actually in this game, and we don't want to ruin our draft pick. So we're going to just play Nate Sudfeld. I just want to see what he can do. We just got to test him out, just in case. The Giants could do that. They could say, we just want to see what Tommy DeVito does. Tyrod Taylor's not going to be here next year. So let's see if Tommy DeVito can be a backup quarterback. Right. That's that's not really tanking. Right, but that's what – you know what I I mean. I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. All right, Peter Randazzo, will will the Giants be sellers in the next three weeks? If not, would you be shocked? I think they will, especially if they lose to to, uh, to Buffalo. And if Washington somehow upsets them, which now I'm starting to think is a possibility, yeah. um, I would not put it past them. And, yes, I would be shocked if a trade is not made somewhere along the line. Absolutely, I would be shocked. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to, to, to think that Washington might be able to top the Giants Given what we have seen, I mean, it just—that's how bad this has gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, sucks. It's gotten this bad this early. Yeah, got- it's terrible. I mean, we're we're not even at, at at Halloween, and we're already talking about this. I know it's crazy. It's, it's <laughs> not crazy. even Halloween, but we're like, it's like the war. You know, it's like the the um. What am I trying to say? It's like uh, I don't know the markets or whatever. You know, it's it's not even Halloween, but Christmas stuff's out. That's kind yeah. of where we are with the season. You know, Christmas is usually the end of the year in the football. So we're not even Halloween, but we got our Christmas decorations up already because we're ready to get rid of the season. <laughs> we're ready to move. I mean, I'm I'm already I'm you know, it's it, it's funny. I had hoped, okay, we'll start the season and they'll they'll do well. And then, you know, before I know it, the KISS concerts will come up. I'm mm-hmm. actually sitting here going, God, I can't wait for those concerts because that means we'll be in the first week in December and it won't be much longer before the season ends. Yeah. Isn't that terrible? It's been a long season already. It sucks the life out of you. It really, it really does. does. It really does. It really does. That's All why right, I have fun on Twitter, though. I, I swear, Twitter can be really tight. I mean, there's definitely toxicity on there. I don't know. Maybe it's just I get a kick out of a lot of it. And like I said, I'm just extremely sarcastic. It's kind of the way I've dealt with the fact that we're this bad. Because, again, I can make fun of them. I can be real about them. I just be all over the place with opinion, just have fun. And that's kind of what I've done because this season ain't been fun at all. No, definitely yeah, not. All. all right. I want to get get one or two more. And then I know that Dog's got to go because he's got the Lakers coming up. So, Dog, I do appreciate you, you holding down the fort. I always love chat, chatting with you. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. All right. Let me get this in from Scott Young. 
should the Giants take a serious look at the training staff? Scott, um, again, the training staff treats injuries. They don't prevent them. That's the strength and conditioning staff. And, you know, I'm not sure how the sports science department is set up or, you know, what exact tools they're using. But I do know, and having spoken to to one strength and conditioning coach or former strength and conditioning coach, he's like, you got to kind of let the system take root because, and dog, you could probably attest to this. When you start a new workout program, doesn't it take a few months for it to really take root with your body? It's yeah, not something that you, you keep turning around. Because again, it's like it, you, you train your muscles to do certain things. If you're a sprinter, and then all of a sudden you want to become a long distance runner, you're not going to be able to be a long distance runner immediately. You have to train your body to do that. You have to train, you have to learn endurance. You have to, and vice versa. If you're a long distance runner, you want to become a sprinter. You have to learn how to get your, your first step up. And you have to learn how to have that quick burst for that five seconds or how long it takes to run a 50 meter dash. So you have to train your muscles to do whatever. And then as you get acclimated to it and your mind and muscle connections start to happen, you can almost do it in your sleep. Like seriously, like, and it's funny because on leg day, I'll go into the gym. My legs hurt before I start because they know it, it's weird how that works. Um, but yeah, if you start a new workout routine, your muscles aren't used to it. You're going to feel it. It's going to hurt. You're going to be weaker. You might pull something if you're not used to it. So it definitely, it definitely can, I don't want to say mess you up, but it takes time to get used to it for sure. Yeah, for sure. is right. All right, everybody, we'd obviously go a little longer if we could, but Dog does need to do the Lakers. He's going to yeah. jump on his channel. So I want to thank you all for coming in. If you didn't get your question answered, you can always pop it in the comments section. I do look at the comments uh, when I can. I'll see if I can answer them for you um, if, if you pop them in the comments section. So thank you for showing up tonight. Thank you for, for the chat, for participating. Appreciate you. Dog, appreciate you. Good Appreciate you, Patty. Lakers. Always, always love doing. I wish we did this on better circumstances. Just think I, I how do too. Excited we were before the year started. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, and secretly, you know, I, I got to confess, I, I was really, really hoping for your sake. I, I, I would have loved to have seen them do so well because you would have just been like, oh, oh my gosh, it would have been awesome. So <laughs> I, I, I feel bad for you, my friend. One of these years it'll happen. Right. So, all right, everybody, that'll do it for us again. Thank you for tuning in. Keep it here on the Locked on Giants podcast. We'll be back on Monday with all new episodes. For Bad Dog, I'm Patricia Trainer. Have a, try to have a good weekend, everybody. You know, football game uh, besides the point. So right. we'll see you on Monday. Peace.